Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Directed by acclaimed filmmaker Jonathan Hacker and a, and a based on a book of the same title, Path of Blood depicts Islamic or Islamist terrorism as never before seen, drawn from a horde of jihad home movie footage that has, was captured by Saudi Arabian security services. This is the story of a Muslim terrorist targeting Muslim civilians and brought to justice by Muslim security agents. A stark reminder that all who are touched by terrorism is are victimized by it. The film, again, is called Path of Blood, and the director is with us today, and that's Jonathan Hacker. Jonathan, welcome to Film School. Thank you. Thank you so much. And uh, I'm going to jump in sort of with both feet, and that is I'll tell you why I appreciate your film, and um, is because it is the unvarnished look at the people who are committing these heinous acts in ways that we do not here in the United States generally see. We just see headlines. We just see carnage. We see footage of people gathering around hospitals and ambulances, and we don't have any other deeper knowledge than just that. It's just, and in your film, we see a lot more, and we see Absolutely. context, and we see, as I stated in the introduction, these are terrorists committing terrorism against Muslims, much, much, much more than it is uh, against uh, the West. Right. So, so let, let's talk about just you sort of you wrote the book, but how did this? You have a history of sort of diving into these kinds of issues. Tell me a bit about what went into the making uh, of uh, Path of Blood. When I um, the, the access had been secured by our executive producers. But when I've heard we've got this footage, there was not just all of this al-Qaeda material that had been captured by the security services in Saudi Arabia, but also CSI footage shot by the police and the security services themselves um, of the aftermath of uh, terrorist attacks and footage of, their, of uh, police raids and shootouts. I knew immediately that we could tell an exciting, gripping story about an al-Qaeda campaign from its start to its finish, um, you know, cross-cutting the, the, the two sets of material. And I took the decision relatively early on not to editorialize overtly, uh, that's to say, to, not to put talking heads into the film, not to tell people what to think, but to cut the footage as you would tell a story, um, allowing the audience access to these scenes, which were shot by both sides of the conflict mm -hmm. uh, and, to, be, and, and to, to get to know the characters and to follow the story as you would follow a regular drama. Right, right. It, it has the objectivity. There, there, is, there is some voiceover in it being introduced into the, into the topic. Right. Uh, we, 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 we have to, I mean, obviously to understand what's going on, right. we have to use a limited amount of commentary and we put that over black in between scenes uh, with Al-Qaeda and the scenes of the security services and the police. Um, so that was done at a minimum, and we didn't talk over the footage. We just talked in between these little interludes uh, between the the, uh, the raw footage itself. Right. Um, to give us, yeah, it it the, gives us some context. Right. Exactly. Enough context to understand what's going on. The, you know, the minimum, the minimum necessary was, was the criteria. 
Yeah. Well, so you get this footage, you and your producers are sitting, sit down and say, this is, you know, this is really interesting. This is the kind of footage that is ra- certainly rarely seen in the West and even more so well, well, rarely. It's, it's never been seen because no one has ever had access to right. Al-Qaeda Hope movie footage before. Right. You know, basically, these kids have been given cameras by their superiors to shoot propaganda videos. And of course, hanging around for days on end in a safe house, they shoot themselves larking around. Right. And um, they've, got, they've got no sense of what they should or shouldn't shoot. They just shoot everything. And so when we go through this footage, we find there are some gems that are incredibly revealing. Yeah. And that's, that's what we, we, we use to make, you know, that's the heart of what the film is about, is about understanding these characters. You know, too much in the West, we see Al-Qaeda and ISIS as two-dimensional cardboard cut-out villains. We have no conception of them as real human beings. Um, and yet, if we're to defeat them, we have to understand their psychology and their belief structure. Right, exactly. Now, the the period of film, the period the film covers in the in um, Path of Blood, is from two thousand and three to two thousand and nine. Right. It was there. A, I mean, in addition to the fact that this was footage that you that you were presented with, you had. Is there is there something that, in terms of our audience knowing, that's significant about this period of time? of sure. al-Qaeda on the Arabian Peninsula. Right, so in 2003, obviously, you've got the Iraq War. Saddam, I mean, uh, bin Laden had long wanted... I mean, he, bin Laden's goal was to re-establish the uh, Muslim Caliphate, mm. uh, and uh, to do that, he wanted Saudi Arabia, which is the land of the two holy mosques, as they call it, the, the, the most holy places in, in, in Islam. He wanted that to be at, at the heart of his new Muslim empire. So overthrowing the Saudi government was very much part of his agenda. When the Iraq war, and he'd been plotting this for years, so he'd been setting up safe houses, uh, arms dumps, uh, and recruiting inside Saudi Arabia for a long time. When when the Iraq war kicked off, he thought that he would never have another opportunity as good as this to uh, create an interaction. Um, He was advised by his uh, leadership that, that they weren't ready, uh, but he decided to go ahead anyway, uh, and the film tells that story of his attempt to, uh, or his men's attempt to uh, overthrow the Saudi government. Uh, it all ends uh, terribly in terms of innocent lives being lost and the destruction of almost all of the of the the, uh, the terrorists. Many of them fled later, of course. At the end, we see them flying, fleeing to our, uh, um, to Yemen, a neighbor, neighboring country in the south, um, and and. There, they become very successful in the lawless Yemen mountains, and they're still successful under threat to this day. Yeah, and and I don't, I hesitate to ask this question, but I think it's sort of, it's it may be part of the discussion. You and you can help me uh, determine that, and that is the invasion of Iraq in two thousand and two, two thousand three. Pardon me. What factor, how does that factor into this? In other words, bin Laden was looking, as you said, for an for a opportunity to establish this caliphate. How, in what, in what manner does this play into what we see during this period of time? Did, did, it, in, did it inform al-Qaeda? In other words, if we, we had never invaded Iraq, would this still have happened this way? He certainly would have wanted it to have happened. Well, you know, whether, you know, counterfactual history, it's incredibly difficult. Who knows what would have happened if you're wrong? Right, I, I mean, right. I, there's, 
such a vast question. I, I, yeah, it is. I, 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 I it's a very, diff- I mean, very difficult question. I, I, I'm sure they would have attempted some kind of interaction at some point because, but, but you know, the whole 9/11 thing was an attempt to provoke America and the West. It was an attempt to do right. what what we ended up doing. He, he he lured us out uh, into uh, what ended up, you know, being a very difficult war. Right. Well, Bin Laden talked about that, too, and essentially bringing the invaders back, the crusaders, back to, yep. to the Middle East, which would have given him what he assumed to be enough popular to support to be able to achieve his goals of what we're, yeah. what we're talking about. I right. just, it, it's, yeah, because I, I, I know a little bit about this subject, just enough to, to maybe sound foolish, but then uh, that is that there have been sort of spasms of this radicalized Islamic fundamentalism that come and go throughout the history of of this region. I think that's important to understand. Yeah. You know, it, it, Islam has had a history of uh, Mahdi's or, 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 you know, uh, coming and going. It had fundamentalist, a number of different fundamentalist movements uh, throughout its history. But at the moment, Islam is in a is is in a kind of civil war, um, and that's what this film is showing. Is showing yeah. that you've got the modern nation state, and Islam is trying to is it all, you know the, 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 the Islam of Al Qaeda and ISIS is not the Islam of the modern nation state. And you've got countries across the Middle East, Jordan, Saudi Arabia, the Gulf states. These are nation states with a with a, with a new with a conception of, of government that is not the traditional caliphate, uh, and and. That's why organizations like Al-Qaeda and or the Muslim Brotherhood, they're at odds with those, what, what those, for, those forms of government. Mm-hmm. And so it, 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 the Middle East is undergoing some kind of crisis because of that, I think. And, and you know, all religions change over time. They adapt and change. Christianity today is a very different kind of religion to what it was in the Middle Ages. The papacy in the Middle Ages is very different from what it is today, you know? And we have to acknowledge that religions change and adapt right. with society as, as throughout time, and Islam is in that process as well. We need to understand that um, when we get involved in the Middle East. Right. Absolutely. I, I uh, Boy, I could go off on a tangent in terms of you know taking you down a road of trying... Because, because, because it's such an important... It continues, it will continue to impact... America, the world, in many ways, moving forward, and um, I want to get back to what the film is actually right. what your what the film is about. Uh, I want to remind our listeners first that we're speaking with the director and producer of the film. Uh, that would be Jonathan Hacker. It's opening in New York today on July 13th, and it will be opening here in Los Angeles on the 20th. So be looking for it, and we'll tell you what theaters it's playing at. Um, so, and I think there's a Q, there's a Q and A with uh, Mark Bold on the 21st. If anyone's interested in uh, in that as well, here in Los Angeles. Yeah, in in LA, he's doing a, 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 he's kindly agreed to do a Q and A at the cinema uh, with us. Great, and and you you mentioned executive producer Mark Bold, who's known for yeah. such films as uh, Zero Dark Thirty, and I believe also uh, the oh, okay. yeah, yeah. the other big hit, and, that, and I think he did Detroit recently as well. Yes, yeah, he he's worked yeah, closely. With Catherine Bigelow on on those films, and um, yeah. in, in watching the footage, as you are sort of pulling all this stuff together, are there things about this. I mean, obviously, it's there's so a lot of shocking things, a lot of things, a lot of mundane and banal things. Tell me, mm-hmm. sort of in pulling the the footage together, um, what surprised you about it? Or I suppose 
just the intimacy you were able to get through the footage. You really got to know these kids through the footage, through the extended sequences we had, and uh, to see them as real kids. You sort of, it, it, I mean, you know, <laughs> it reminded me of, of larking around at school. You know, they, they, you, they really come across as college kids. Um, and that, that, that surprised me, I suppose, to, to felt the, the way in which you were able to get close to them and get to feel like you yeah. knew them. Yeah. That's what's so tragic about this, uh, because it does feel like as, as we mature, right, we go from infants to young children or young adults, and when, by the time we get to high school and, and college, the prime directive for many, many people is to belong to something, to belong to right. a fraternity, uh, a club, uh, hot rodders or chess club or theater or something, this, this, and to get to know other people. And so in, in an environment where there isn't a whole lot other things to do in terms of uh, advanced, economic advancement, educational opportunities, there aren't. Right. Unfortunately, in this part of the world, there's the haves and the have-nots, and the have-nots are the vast majority, well, and there's I, I little or nothing to do. The recruits, there, is, there, there isn't much to do, but they're not necessarily poor. A lot of these kids, and especially the early people who were recruited into Al-Qaeda, are surprisingly middle class, mm. you know? Okay. Um, ISIS is different. I think ISIS has got a much more um, blue-collar, I think you would say, okay. uh, or, um, kind of portfolio. It's much poorer kind of people. But then, it, you know, it, it's, it's come out of this civil war in Syria. It's slightly different. Um, but the, the Al-Qaeda and the kids in this film are, you know, they're, 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 they're middle-class kids from often relatively wealthy backgrounds. But they do have time on their hands. Right. And they are kids who are looking to prove themselves in some way to show to their mates or to their parents or to their brothers that they are worthy, you know, that they are, that they are important and that they're, they're going to show, you know, they, they, they see that what they're doing, they see life as a test and they're going to pass that test and mm-hmm. go to heaven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and and you, you're right, when, watch, when you're watching these kids, uh, and they're, you're right, they're like 20, 19, 18 years old, and uh, they have been <clears throat> convinced that this is something that will lead to a better life. I mean, this right. is going to end in the best and, possible and way for them. That's right. They're, they're, they see heaven as a very real, material place, like, you know, like traveling to a foreign country. It's just a matter of getting on a plane and arriving. So for them, that if they do these actions and, and die as a martyr in, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the holy cause, they're going to wake up, and they will be surrounded by seventy-two virgins. They literally think that at the moment they press the button on, on their suicide bomber, on their suicide truck, they're going to uh, wake up and lose their virginity. So, you know, for these young kids who uh, have had zero contact with uh, sex or any a- anything like that, virtually no contact with women except for their mother or perhaps a sister, it's an, it's a moment of great excitement, and you see that in the film. You see, there's one scene in particular that, if you remember, it, where this kid has made up fake number plate for his truck bomb and it's written 72 virgins on oh, it right. and, and, and he's kissing the number plate and almost making love to it and he puts the number plate over his face and strokes his face with, them, with this piece of paper that's got the 72 virgins on it and then he sits on the car you know straddling the car he, he you can see how palpable the prospect of losing his virginity is yeah. and, and I think again it's, it's important to understand the nature of the particular kind of face these people have. You see in a number of shots, you see that there's moments of 
almost religious ecstasy on their faces when they're thinking about about their death. And, and their death, they don't see it as something bad at all. They see it as a travel through a gateway to heaven. Right. Yeah, yeah, and and this this particular film, and and without getting too uh, doing too deep a dive in terms of the uh, the particulars of it, but in we're talking about the Sunnis, which is Al Qaeda is Sunni, and Bin Laden was right. a Sunni, and Saudi Arabia yeah. is a Sunni dominated yeah. culture, and yeah. so there is in addition to that, and there is the, the 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 tension between that and the Shias. And yep. all of these things, and I, I guess where I'm going with all of this is that the prospect of this ending, just in and of itself, as settling a a, a Islamic issue, is a long ways yeah, from happening. You're absolutely, absolutely right. Look, just like communism took a hundred years to blow itself out. Right. I I, I, mean, I wouldn't want to say a hundred years, but I certainly think that it, you know we shouldn't be complacent just because Bin Laden's dead and ISIS has been more or less defeated in Syria, we shouldn't think that its problem is over. I really urge people to see this, because while it initially may not seem like, you know, you might have some reservations about it, it's important to see this because it humanizes this in a way that we don't ever seem to get here in this country in terms of our discussion of what to do and how to go about taking this issue in a way that will eventually lead to a dissipation of the of the of the problem. Uh, it is opening here in Los Angeles on July 20th at the Lemley Music Hall. And as Jonathan, you said, Mark Bowles will be there on the 21st. He's the producer of the film for a Q&A. Well, I want to thank you. And so it'll be available on download as well for and, the people oh, who can't make it to the cinema. It'll be available VOD. And, okay, great. Yeah. Uh, terrific. Well, thank you so much for the work. Thank you uh, for the film. The film is Path of Blood. Uh, we've been speaking with the director and producer, and that would be Jonathan Hacker. Jonathan, thank you so thank much. You. Thank you and goodbye. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.